Good morning. As you see, we're going to have communion. Um, we're going to try to do it towards the end of the service. But I, I already want you to think of something. You know, we accept Christ, and, you know, he, he's establishing a very strong spiritual foundation, and he's strengthening us in the inner man. He strengthens us in our spiritual new nature. But also he, he's starting to work a deep work in our soul, which has to do with all of our emotions. And, you know, some of the emotions we deal with were anger and, you know, bitterness, frustration. You know, we're short-tempered. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit right now to focus on one thing you feel like he wants you to work on, one emotion that he wants to bring restoration, that he wants to bring more maturity and more healing. And as you take it to your communion, really believe that the Holy Spirit's going to help you move forward. All of us have something, and it's really something that when we allow God to restore our emotional health, it just makes our relationships and everything else better. You might want to even think today about maybe one situation, something in your past, where you reacted in a way that maybe compromised or cost you something. Maybe uh, maybe a relationship with your boss, maybe a relationship with someone else, maybe it devastated uh, a spouse or something in your family or a relative or a friend. And it's these things that that happen in our in the places where we need to be emotionally developed and encouraged is where God wants to work in our lives. I want to, I just want to pray. Lord, we just offer up our mind, will, and emotions to you, and we thank you, Lord, for saving us. We ask that your Holy Spirit would help us today to get more and more free so that we might have more of the ability to just relax and trust and receive your goodness and your mercy, to walk in your peace, and to be transformed. We thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. You know, since we're talking again about, you know, working on our emotions and getting healthy, uh, I always want to like to keep establishing our spiritual life. You know, last week I talked a little bit about David bringing back the ark. You know, the ark had gone for so long away from Israel, and they'd gone through the time of the judges, and they're, you know, just kind of getting along without God and doing it their own way. And then they realized things are not right. And so David, in his wisdom, you know, he brought back the ark. And in uh, 1 Chronicles 16, 27, uh, David says this, Honor and majesty are found in his presence. Strength and joy are found in his sanctuary. And as we're building our spiritual life, and as we're allowing ourselves to get stable so that we can have this emotional growth, we need the presence of God. We need the presence of God to, to be in his presence, to soak in his presence, to have his presence around us. You know, hopefully many of you listen to worship music or you have times where you're just singing yourself to the Lord. And you're allowing the Holy Spirit presence to just minister to your spirit and to strengthen you. And as we continue to be are strengthened, then we have the courage and the ability because we're leaning on a real relationship with a real God who loves us and cares for us than to work on those harder issues that we so often are struggling with and we run from. sure appreciate your word today too, Kenny. A strong spiritual life provides the base for healthy emotions. Spiritual life provides emotional stability. You know, it's our spiritual life that gives us the courage to look at those issues that maybe we've been letting go for a long time. I remember as, as I started, you know, interacting on my job when I was first started at the aerospace company I worked for for almost 30 years, uh, that I was a janitor. And, you know, after a while, I got to know the guys. And, you know, you're joking around. And I didn't realize that one, one day that I was joking around in a way with, with the guys and, and my, um, like my lead man was there. And whatever I had said, it probably came out of something I didn't even realize was coming out of my... Uh, my unhealed emotions, the way I was re relaying with people, that kind of made, made him feel disrespect, disrespected. So I remember being called into the office and him being there and my supervisor and them just saying about that. And so I, I remember feeling that deep humility because I had to apologize, you know, for, for something that was coming up. And often when things come up, we feel shamed and we feel like, wow, he shouldn't be like this. But really, instead of feeling shame, it's our opportunity to let God work on those character issues and those things in our soul where things come out in our relationships. 
Instead of shaming ourselves, especially if we've been a Christians, we sometimes shame ourselves instead of stopping and dealing with the real issues. So now's our opportunity to really let God do a healing. Um, Holy Spirit strength. You know, here, you know, Solomon built a big temple. The ark was in that little tent for a while, but it was in um, David's heart, you know, to build that temp- temple, build that sanctuary, build, build that place where people could come and experience worship, and they can uh, learn to just inhabit and dwell in the presence of God as they met together. And so after Solomon, you know, David's son, builds the temple, there's this great uh, moving again where that ark, w- which was that little wooden box that was overlaid with gold and had a couple of cherubims on the top that uh, held and contained the presence of God, and they were bringing it into the new temple. And this scripture is Second Chronicles 5.10 are the Amplified. There was nothing in the ark except two tables, the Ten Commandments which Moses put in it at Mount Horeb, when the Lord made a covenant with the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. And how interesting that I don't know what happened to, uh, you know, the ark that the the rod that budded, our, you know, Aaron's rod that budded, that almond branch, uh, or or the manna. I don't know during this process what happened to it, but the only thing in this box was the presence, was the word of God and how interesting that the word of God is you know Jesus the living word and when the word of God comes to us it builds our spiritual life it's bread to our spirit and we feed on that but then when the Holy Spirit comes in and breathes on that word of God it becomes life it becomes rhema it becomes active in us and it brings the presence of God in a solid way into us so we have this great confidence in what God's doing in our spirit. And that confidence and that stability that's happening through the Word of God gives us the ability, again, to face those issues and face those things that we are not pleased with in our life and that affect our relationships with God and each other. So now, the presence of God, being the Word of God in that box, here's what happened. This is 2 Corinthians, Second Chronicles 5, 11-14. Then the priests left the holy place, Imagine, this box is just coming in. Got a couple of copies of it. Got those tablets in there. The priests who were present had purified themselves. Again, it's that type in the Old Testament about they had done everything that they were supposed to be doing to be able to present and be around God's presence, to be around the ark of God. And they purified themselves, whether or not they were on duty that day or not. And the Levites who were musicians, Asaph, Heman, Judah, and their sons and brothers were dressed in fine linen robes and stood at the east side of the altar playing cymbals, lyres, and harps. Again, thank you, worship team, for every week setting up the atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to come and dwell and manifest His presence. They were joined by 120 priests who were playing trumpets. The trumpeters and singers performed together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, they raised their voices and praised the Lord of, with these words. He is good. He is faithful. His love endures forever. Again, that song we were singing, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Again, our soul affected by the mind, will, and emotions and the varied amounts of emotions that we feel, anger, sorrow, uh, anxiety, all those different things, they come against the Spirit of God in us. They come against the will of God. They come against our confidence and the joy that God would give us. But as they began to confess these words, their soul was hearing, bless the Lord on my soul. Like David, when he started changing his atmosphere, he started changing his environment. He started changing the effects of mind, will, and emotions when he began to forcefully, thank you, Jesus. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. He started stirring up the, the emotions part where his spirit could be in control, where he could rise above his circumstances. We could rise above the negativity that's around us. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. I tell you, we're here today, and every time we gather together is because we need to experience the presence of the Lord. We need to be filled continually over and over with the activity of the Holy Spirit, with the presence of God. There is enough negative emotions that are bombarding us where we are overwhelmed. And we, often we come in here and we leave here, and we're not even stirred at all. And again, I'm not necessarily just talking about stirring our emotions, but stirring us so deeply that we're not affected by the negative emotions that we have to deal with. It will take our spiritual strength as well as getting in touch with our soul's need for growth to become emotionally healthy. We need you, Holy Spirit, 
in this work and this journey that you're going through of restoring your soul, dealing with anything that's going on in your life to bring you down, you need to continually ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. God, fill me with that strength. Help me to recognize what you're doing in me so that I can have that stability to then reach out and launch out on those areas that you want to change in my life. Strength comes from God to really release and bring joy. In the context of this next verse, uh, Nehemiah was a godly governor, and he was called to rebuild, you know, the broken down walls of Jerusalem. The Israelites had gone into captivity. They had walked away from God. But now God, in his mercy, even though they were unrepentant, even though they had had sought other gods and they wanted to be like other uh, nations and they went into captivity, God was bringing them back. God had moved on people like Nehemiah to go back and build the broken down walls of Jerusalem. And those walls that Jerusalem was was being built uh, actually um, uh, has to deal with the inner workings that Nehemiah was focusing on the inner restoration of Jerusalem. The walls had now be built, but now he was working on the insides of that city and how it's a type of working on our soul, restoring our emotions. In this context uh, of Nehemiah 8.10, the people had gathered, and Ezra the scribe was reading the word of God. Can you imagine going years? You haven't heard the scriptures. You haven't heard, you know, the Old Testament. You haven't heard you know, the the first five books of the Bible. And so Ezra starts reading the word of God. Something happened in the atmosphere as they were gathered together. And again, the presence of God wanted to uh, bring repentance and forgiveness to the people because he wanted to bring them into a new place. He wanted for them to forget their sins and he wanted their hearts to come back into a relationship with him. So Nehemiah 8.10 are the Amplified. Nehemiah said, Be not grieved and depressed, for the joy of the Lord is your strength and your stronghold. Again, the people, they were weeping, they were crying, they were affected. I imagine they were thinking about the heart, their heart and how they had drifted away from God. But the presence of God brought this word that, you know, they were to find strength again in God. They were to find strength as they gathered together, as they served and worshiped God. And what was that going to be doing? It was not only going to strengthen them, but the joy was going to return. And it's an incredible thing to see God begin to do that kind of thing. The definition of strength in that verse is a fortified place, a defense of force. In your spirit, you need to be strong because your emotions are constantly being bombarded by fears and anxieties, by stresses, by problems that are looming ahead of us and and are are just you know getting big that steal our peace and it causes us to begin to worry the strength of god is a fortress it's a rock it's strength that strengthens us it becomes a stronghold just like there's strongholds sometimes we face or we're dealing with strongholds in our soul that god's going to break there's a stronghold we have in God that we will not be shaken no matter what we feel, no matter what comes against us, no matter what we go through. We have a stronghold in our rock, Jesus Christ. We have a stronghold in the Holy Spirit residing and dwelling in us and going before us, being our helper, being the one that goes with us as we face changes, as we face those difficult circumstances that loom and hang out in front of us and try to intimidate us. There's a second definition of, of uh, strength in this, ver- in this word. And it says to be stout, to be hardened. You know, Paul uses that description of Christians in the New Testament about as soldiers, endure hardness as a soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure those things that come against you. Well, how do you endure? Just by standing up and being strong? No, by relying and having this relationship with Jesus Christ where there's a stronghold in your faith. There's a stronghold of the taproot of God that's in you. You are so rooted in the love of God and the presence of God and your, His ability to be with you that that is your stronghold. That is the place that you hang on to and I hang on to. It says there's a boldness against the oppositions of faith. What is that that comes on us? You know, and hopefully you've experienced this and you're going to experience this again when you're facing a difficulty and it doesn't knock you down, but something rises up deep in your spirit and you 
you see it as a positive thing that you somehow are going to see God do something in this thing that looks impossible, this thing that's trying to intimidate you and back you up with fear and, and tell you God is not there and he doesn't care about me, but something rises up in your spirit. Why? Because you're feeding your spirit. You're feeding yourself on the word of God and because God is faithful and because the Holy Spirit promises to be with you that something rises up and you're, you're experiencing the strength and this boldness that's coming. Strength to prevail. The Joshua and Caleb kind of prevailing where two people were different and they saw the promised land in different ways. Strength in your inner nature, nature, strength in yourself. The ability to go to prayer like Jesus did in the garden when he was overwhelmed. He, he prayed even more being in agony. To be able to have communion with God. To be able to take in the word of God when everything around you feels like giving up. And you still go to your knees. You still take time in prayer. You still grab the word of God and you're reading. You're searching the word for hope. You're searching God for a nugget. And he gives you a nugget, something to hold on to. The church. I'm thinking most of you are going to find out that as the more you come to church, the more you avail yourself to be in the, in the tabernacle, to be in the sanctuary where the ark is, where the presence of God is released, that as you come, and as you're filled, that you leave here stronger. That we're not the same as we were last week when we were here. We are different. God is continually transforming and changing our lives because of the activity of the Holy Spirit and because of that first commitment we made to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, to be born again and to come alive. Something is going on in our lives. I just love it. Olga said today in class that there's just something happening. Things are changing. Uh, she's having more of this love and forgiveness for people. This growth that's happening. I love it when people say, you know, what they're experiencing in God. Then I want to give you this today, because it goes along with other things I'm going to say. Do you know you have no reason to be unhappy? I have no reason to be unhappy. Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18. Habakkuk throws this out to believers, to God's people. Even though the fig tree has no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vine. Even though you don't see any dollars in your, in your bank account, in your checkbook. Even though the olive crop fails, you burned your dinner. And the fields lie empty and barren. Your cupboards are empty. Even though the flocks die in the fields. Even though you see no future or maybe you just got laid off of your job or your job's need, not meeting your needs. And the cattle barns are empty. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God my, of my salvation. So Habakkuk is telling us things are going to look bad. Jesus said you are going to have trials and tribulations, but be of good courage. I have overcome the world. Be of good courage because I am with you and I'm sending the Holy Spirit to be with you. Why? So that you can be an overcomer, so that you can rise up. So the next time you start counting the negative blessings, Begin to get thankful in God. Begin to look and see, God, how are you going to deal with this? Begin to let your joy come back over your emotions. Let your joy come back into that place of ascendancy over the bombardment that's going on from the world. There are going to be times of adversity. Dory just told me, I guess Napa just had a, a six-point earthquake. Lord, be with them today in all the, all the chaos and all the confusion, all the things that are going on. Lord, be with uh, the Father's house in Napa as they're ministering in their, in their area and, and helping people. We've got to counter the negative. We have to counter the negative that's constantly coming against us. And some of us, like me, who deal with uh, depression, I have a bigger battle to fight every day. I have to constantly 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 counter the negativity counter feelings counter oppositions that kind of join in with those feelings it's one thing to have a negative feeling but it's another thing to have all your circumstances start piling up on those negative feelings then it feels you feel like not even getting out of bed we've got to counter the negative don't let a negative report steal your faith God has given each one of us a measure of faith. The moment we ask Jesus Christ to come into our life, faith began. We've got to develop that faith, stretch that faith, pour into that faith, feed that faith. And part of it is like even doing what Habakkuk said. Be thankful. Be joyful in God. Look to God. Numbers 13, 23 through 33. The ten spies 
Moses sent to spy out the land of inheritance. They came to the valley of Eskel, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. Now, I see Mr. Pereira's uh, grapes, and his grapes are normal. You could fit them in the palm of your hand. But listen to the size of these grapes. They carried between two of them on a pole. That how, that's how one cluster was. That was the land that God wanted to bring his people into. That's why he had taken them out of Egypt. He wanted to bring them into a better land. He wanted them to be so blessed that, that they were overwhelmed. And so he wanted them to see what the land had. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eskal because the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. You know, that's right where we are. He's sending you right now into that place that's going to have the greatest fears for you because there's the greatest victories for you. There's the greatest new freedoms for you. But he's going to send you into a place that you might be fearful to go. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It is truly flowing, and it flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak, giants there. And the Anakites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Now, when you're seeing the giants in the land that God is sending you to, you need two people with you. You need people like a Joshua and a Caleb. Because the majority of people around you are going to tell you, don't go there. It's too dangerous. You're going to get killed. You're going to lose your life. It's not worth it. What you're facing is not worth it to go in there. It's not really worth it. Don't go there. But you need people like Joshua and Caleb. They're going to tell you, you can do this. You can overcome this. You can get free from that. You have something better if you face that and go forward. That's the kind of friends. And that's what you're going to get in the body of Christ. That's what God's doing in our body. He's going to take our body to a whole new level. He's going to take us in a whole new level. We have a level of spiritual knowledge and strength that we are in this body. But I tell you, God's going to bring us into an emotional strength because we are in a world that's broken. People are more broken, more oppressed, more demonized, uh, more struggling mentally. We need to be strong. We need to have our hearts open and we need to go in to the land with people and we need to restore relationship with them. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. You need a friend who's going to quiet you when you're, when you're losing it. You know, and your emotions are, are, no, I can't do this. This is crazy. I've done that before. I've gotten hurt and I've gotten wounded. I've gotten rejected. Forget it. This is a new day. Rejection is going to bounce off your heart where God loves live. You're going to be free. Let us go up at once and take position, for we are well able to overcome it. You need to say that to yourself today as you look at that one issue that you know God wants you to assault in your emotions, that one place that you want to restore and break a stronghold. We are well able to overcome this area, this emotion, whether it's anger, rejection, bitterness, abandonment, loss, grief, morning, whatever it is, God wants you to believe that you can overcome today. God is here. God wants you to overcome. The Holy Spirit is personally going to help you overcome. Amen. The negative reports, they're constant. They're part of this fallen world. And just because uh, you get this message, you may feel high in the moment. When you walk out that door, the enemy is going to unload on you. He wants you to be afraid. He wants you to think, no, this is where I really live. Yes, we live in a fallen world where there's lies constantly coming our way. And how often really does the thing we actually were worried about, when actually we get there, most of the time, doesn't it go away? But there's something else we're fearing. There's something else we're worried about. There's something else we're thinking is not going to work out. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone 
as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Now, how could they know in a few minutes that all the, the land is all eaten up by those guys? I mean, they saw all the goodness. They saw a few giants, but they didn't know how strong those giants were. But they already forgot their history. They already forgot what God had done by destroying the enemies of the Egyptians who had kept them in bondage for 430 years. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Again, they projected their insecurity because they looked like grasshoppers. They projected that those people were looking at like grasshoppers. They weren't, they weren't thinking like maybe God's projecting something bigger through them to those giants. Again, they were thinking about their own natural understanding. They were going by their own emotions. Their own human expectations and emotions were disqualifying the land that God wanted them to go into. You know what we need also in our church? We need a few more um, recon people. Like, you know, the military has the recon group. You know, they go in there, a couple guys go in there, and they check out everything, come back and tell where the, all the strongholds are. We need a few people who are pressing into areas and being that, that those scouts that are pressing in and finding where the enemy is at, and then they come back and, and tell us, this is what's going on, but you know what? We're going to do it. They come back with that excitement about, we can do this. We can do this, you guys. As you press on your spiritual journey, it will seem impossible. Your strength in the Lord who saved you and started you on your spiritual journey. We are just like Israel who he took out of Egypt. We came out of Egypt the moment we accepted Jesus. We may be taking over and pushing back some strongholds and uh, uh, kicking the enemy out of some areas, but who saved us? Who gave us the promise of eternal life? We have to take an inventory right away of what already we know about Jesus. What experience have we already had with the Holy Spirit? How have we felt him? And does it matter if we're not feeling him or not, or not anything? The, per the point is that he is with us, that he hasn't left us because he's a God who keeps his word and God's going to help us overcome. The journey is one of faith. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, Paul the Apostle wrote to remind the Corinthians and all believers who would come after that we live by faith, not by what we see, not by what we feel, not by what we imagine, not by the fear that comes against us, not by the anxiety and the anxiousness that attacks us and tries to stop us. The opponents of our faith in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life does not come from the Father, from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. The world is everything that God made and all the inhabitants, all the good things. The only thing, Satan is the one that occupies the world. Jesus defeated him at the cross, and now it's our obligation and responsibility to kick him out, especially out of our life and out of our emotions, especially out of our inheritance. It's our job to kick him out to give him walking papers and say, get out of my territory. You've got to possess your land. You've got to possess the land of your emotions. You must live free from fear and anxiety and worry. You must live free. I tell you, it's going to get worse and worse. We're told in the Bible it's going to get worse and worse in our time. But only by faith, only as we take back our emotions, are we going to be able to live in joy. Only are we going to have hope for people. If we don't have hope, we're not going to talk to anybody. We're going to hang our head at the store. We're going to hang our head at work. And we're going to feel the worry and the woe inside. No. God wants us to break out of those negative emotions. He wants to be powerful witnesses. He wants us to pray in faith. You can have your own thing you're going through in your mind, but yet you're praying in faith for someone else. Look at little Paul. Powerful apostle. Raising people from the dead. Going through everything he did. And he was doing all this powerful thing in his own life. He was dealing with the thorn in his flesh. But God's grace was upon him to keep moving forward. He was walking in humility because of that thorn, whatever he was, but he kept exercising faith. He kept exercising and having joy. Why? Because his emotions all came under and came in check. They all grew up. He grew strong and matured in his emotional life. 1 John 5, 4-5. Everyone born of God that's everyone who asked Jesus Christ to come into their life. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. Wow. We all win. 
We are all overcomers. We're all victorious in Christ. Some of us have just been like hanging back a little bit, not doing going to war. It's time we take back what's ours. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Again, we've got to keep using this, this measure he's given us. And that measure is enough in every situation to overcome, to see God work in our lives. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus won that first victory where he destroyed Satan. He crushed his head. He crushed his power and authority. Now, he's just like that big papier-mâché monster that we just push right through. But he's going to intimidate us. He's going to stand in opposition to us, trying to intimidate us, just like those giants intimidated the rest of those spies. But he will fall as we keep pressing through. Faith sees life's challenges as an opportunity to see God. What is a challenge for you right now? In this one emotion you're going to be dealing with, it's one thing you're going to start taking off the pile of other things, getting right. What is it? You have to believe that God has enough faith in you that you can see an opportunity for God to move as you face whatever that is. You know, uh, Jeremiah, he was just like us. And I just love how the Word of God shows people in different stages of needing more emotional development, needing more soul healing. And Jeremiah was one of them. We're going to go to Jeremiah 6.14. You know, God was angry with uh, his prophets and his priests because they were misrepresenting him. <clears throat> they were promising all this good, and you know, actually they were in punishment for what they were, had been doing. So Jeremiah is prophesying, and he says, you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. And it's really time for us to quit denying where our emotions at. Maybe you're shut down. Maybe you're disconnected. Maybe you're going through all the, emo all the emotions, but you're disconnected. You're not even feeling God. You're just numb. If you're in that way, I would say I would tackle that today. I would say I'd go to communion I'd say, God, I'm disconnected. God, what is it? Some of you are going to deal with something that you think is the trigger, but there is a root to it. God wants to go to the root, and he wants to pull it so that you'll be free from whatever negative emotion it is. Maybe you're disconnected from life because you've been hurt too many times. You've gone through it, you've gone through it too many times. I believe you're right at that place where God wants to change something in you, where it's not going to be business as usual. But something in you is going to change because you believe it doesn't matter what's happened in my past. It doesn't matter what Satan's done. I'm going to trust. I'm going to believe in people. I'm going to believe in God. And if people come or go or reject me or whatever, I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe. I'm going to put myself into people's lives. I'm going to encourage people. I'm going to believe that God is going to restore people just like I've been broken in the places I've been hurt, in the places I've become disconnected. God's going to use me. God's going to use me. And he's going to change me and I'm going to be free and I'm going to be open and they're going to become the same way. Amen. Healing a wound is the process of restoring our soul. Examining the emotions of anger, anxiety, stress, or even the lack of emotions are for healing. Whatever causes our disconnection from God or relationships with others or life, God wants to heal. He didn't save us to be disconnected and unattached. He saved us to be interacting and bringing healing. He wants a family. I don't care how bad your family was. The church, that's what this is all for. God wants to show you how to have family again. Now, we might be, not be the best people, but I tell you, if all of us are working on it, and all of us are working Matthew 18, where we're willing to go to each other, and we're willing to humble ourselves when we've done wrong, we're in a good place of restoring the kind of family that God wants. This is dating me. The late Doug Hammarskjöld, because I remember when he was Secretary General of the United Nations, suggested that we have become adept at exploring outer space, but we have not de developed similar skills in exploring our own personal inner spaces. He wrote, the longest journey of any person is the journey inward. Most of us feel much more equipped to manipulate objects, control situations, and do things that take, that, and, th and do things than to take that very long journey inward. Again, there's that need for inner truth. David's sin and the exposure, when, when Nathan confronted him, 
caused him to write Psalms 51. David's prayer, Behold, you desire truth in the inner being. Make me therefore to know wisdom in my innermost heart. The work of the Holy Spirit is to restore us. The times of brokenness where we really get in touch with what's going on, when we really dig in with God, are the most transforming moments of our life. That's where the peace comes back. Our innermost being is both heart, which is our spiritual life, and our soul, which is our mind, emotions, and will, where our feelings are locked up, where our choices have either been uh, stopped or we're making wrong choices, or we're even choosing to be self-protective where we're not going to move forward. We could be stubborn. I mean, God honors that. But where do we finally realize, wait a second, why am I holding? Why am I being my own protector? I've got to allow God to be my rear guard. I've got to allow me to bring me right to the forefront of something that's going to hurt me and trust that he's going to get me through and I won't be hurt. I won't be rejected. In John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Again, it's facing that giant. It's facing that emotion and going there until the truth breaks through and sets you free. John 7, 38, Jesus said, He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. I tell you, it's time for a gut change. The Holy Spirit, it's that place, it's the inner man where soul and spirit dwell. It's that place where, where feelings attack us and anxieties grip us. It's that place that God wants to bring healing. It's not good enough that we're saved, but we live as dead robot puppets until we go to heaven. No, we must live this life full of emotion, full of all the emotion that God has given us, full of the freedom and how he made for us to be. Marriages need to have the most emotions, and they're the most broken. I have more to do in restoring my own life and my own emotions in my marriage. God wants it, but because we've had negative experiences or because we have years of things not changing, we give up. No, if we have breath in our life, we've got to press on. We've got to press into our relationships. We've got to make amends. We've got to work on things so that we can restore what God paid the, such a high price for us to have by sending Jesus. The inward man, 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Paul the apostle wrote, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Adam Clark wrote this, Our soul, that which cannot be felt or seen by others, is renewed, revived, and receives a daily increase of light and life from God so that we grow more holy, more happy, and more ready for glory every day. Ready for the next thing God's going to do. Joshua and Caleb, somehow they had caught it early on. The world is crazy. It's constant opposition. But there's something in them that drew this excitement. They somehow were able to connect in their heart that God was going to do something greater. There was such an excitement, maybe like a childlike anticipation about Christmas, where something in them was going to say, God's going to do another great thing. You know, it's been a while since I've seen him do the Red Sea. What's he going to do as we go into the Promised Land? Caleb, he was 100, over 100 years old. He was taking the, the toughest ground with the biggest giants. You know, you read his story. Man, he can hardly move. Can you imagine him thinking like, oh man, can't you just have me a little bit more limber so I could, so I could actually, you know, and get more enjoyment out of taking back more ground? That's what God, he wants to develop a reversal where we get excited about our problems. That we, people would think we're weird, huh? Our key verse, Romans eight twenty nine. You know, we put off our, our future destiny and purpose when we ignore our emotional growth. Again, I ask myself this, and I see, and I ask this question. How have my emotions destroyed opportunities that I had? How have my emotions and the way I acted immaturely affected, <coughs> affected maybe emotions, affected relationships that God had for me? You know, it's no condemnation on us, but it's like, let's work on this stuff. I mean, look at me, telling you I struggle with depression. I'm surprised that I'm here doing this. But one thing I've learned, to press into God. I'm trying to press into those things. I'm trying to press into my disconnections. I mean, been seeing stuff with my wife lately that, that I didn't realize they were in my marriage for 30 years. But they're changing because I'm finally, you know, growing up. It's hard to grow up, especially when you're in your 60s, to realize you still have to grow up. It's humbling. It's shameful. You know, sometimes what we do when we're shamed, we leave. Why? We're afraid people will say, what? We're all, we all got stuff we have to deal with. Why do you have to run? 
Let's deal with our stuff. Why? So we can be a safe family. Romans 8, 29. Those whom God foreknew, for whom he was aware and loved beforehand, he also destined from the beginning. He foreordained them to be molded into the image of his son and share inward his likeness, that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus, we see all the emotions he had as we read the, the, the scriptures. He was a man of sorrows, according to Isaiah. He had joy in doing God's will. He was angry when his, t- when his father's temple was, was used for, to, to make money. You know, all these different things were going on. But Jesus had the ability to be real in his emotions. He could be angry. He could show love. He could mourn. He could cry. He was a whole person. That's what he wants us to be in our inward man. We just read that in Romans 8, 29, that we could be molded and made into his image, his likeness. That means freeing our emotions. That's why we can read the New Testament and see what all those apostles went through, being martyred, having joy, being thrown in prison. Oh, I'm beat. Oh, throw a little stab on there. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you, Jesus. What? That's crazy. They had their emotions matured. They were living from their spirit, but their emotions had risen to a place of, of joy that even when they were beaten because they were in the perfect will of God and they, they knew that God was with them, I tell you, we have not hit that place yet where we can be that happy about the circumstances and things that we're facing. But that's where God's taking us. That's where he's growing us. Maybe one more thing and then we'll change up things. Jeremiah and pain. Jeremiah's pain came from bearing the message. The pain of rejection triggered his own need for deep healing. Man, Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. Jeremiah, you read the story, it seemed like no one repented under his ministry. Thinking that's a pretty bad track record. But it wasn't Jeremiah's fault. It was where God sent him at a time where there was great um, rejection of God. But Jeremiah had a soul too. He, He got affected by what he saw and what wasn't happening and where God was. So listen to these verses. We're starting with um, Jeremiah 18, verse 15. Jeremiah said, O Lord, you know and understand. Earnestly remember me and visit me and avenge me on my persecutors. Take me not away from joy or from life itself. In your long suffering to my enemies, know that your, for your sake I suffer and, and bear reproach. You know, he was thrown into a, a big, empty, muddy well. It was just mud, and he sank down to his waist and was left there for sharing God's word. I don't know about you, but I'd be a little ticked at God if that happened to me. Your words were found and I ate them, and your words were to me a joy and a rejoicing of my heart. For I'm called by your name, O Lord of hosts. I sat not in the assembly of those who make merry, and I did not rejoice. I sat alone because your powerful hand was upon me, for you had filled me with indignation. You know, at this point, God shows Jeremiah, his deep need for emotional healing. Here's the next thing he says to God. Why is my pain perpetual and my wounds incurable, refusing to be healed? So many of you may be coming to God at this communion service, pouring out why the whys. That's okay. God invites them. Only in pouring out the whys are you going to get that emotional health and healing that's part of what God has for you. He continues, God, will you indeed be to me like a deceitful brook? like waters that fall, like fail, and are uncertain. <coughs> Jeremiah, he was speaking kind of like Job. He had gone through it. He had been a man of God, but he was feeling like this is not working, God. No one's responding. I'm being tortured. Is this benefiting anyone? Therefore, thus says the Lord to Jeremiah, <coughs> if you return and g- give up this mistaken tone of distrust and despair, Then I will give you again a settled place of quiet and safety, and you will be my minister. Isn't this something? (coughs) He's not promising him freedom from ministry and all the problems. He's saying, I'm going to let you go back and let the people abuse you again. But you've got to change your attitude. I'm God. Wow. And if you separate the precious from the vile, cleansing your own heart from unworthy and unwarranted suspicions concerning God's faithfulness, I think that's the biggest attack on us is where we begin to think God does not care for us because of the circumstances we find ourselves. And all of us have to experience God. And if that's part of your thing with God, you have a little issue with God today, please deal with him so that he can speak these same kind of words to you so that you can leave here saying, I love the pain I'm in. 
because I know God's with me and I know he's doing something that I don't understand, but he's with me. You shall be my mouthpiece. Again, the need to let go of the past, rejection, abandonment, loss, unsafe people. You know, I was going through this book and it just has you go back and look at things. And again, you know, how I do relationships, part of where I deal with my own depression, but also part of like, because of depression and other things, when I was really young in second grade, I was rejected really deeply. And I remember going through my, I was just analyzing this just the other day. I went through the rest of my life at school. I didn't join any clubs. I did my bare minimum of what I needed to do to do, get through class. I would sit in high school on, on re at recess and break, and I would do all my homework because I certainly wasn't going to use any of my time after school to do any work. And I literally went through without relationships. I know what it is to feel abandoned and rejected. But I know what, it, what is worse is to keep our heart closed and not allow God to, to help us open up in relationships. And that's what he wants. Only more joy is going to come. More friendships are going to develop. You might be having this thing where you're going to have to say, you know what, I got too many friends right now. Just uh, let me put you on hold. If someone dies or whatever, I'll, I'll include you. But imagine having that kind of friendships and relationship where there's such a positive interaction. There's a building each other in faith and encouragement, you know, when you're down, that you can pop right back up and just perpetually do that. I'm going to want you to get up, get your communion stuff, and just get ready. Kind of start contemplating, you know, whatever it is God wants you to deal with. Whatever's holding back your faith, if you're angry at God or if there's an emotion that you've dealt with your whole life or a rejection or anger, whatever it is, let the Holy Spirit help you. You're going to change. You're going to experience that growth. <clears throat> I'll be kind of just reading some things as you're getting your stuff. Don't be shy, you guys. Come on. Come and get it. I'll throw it out. Through pain, we often develop a hunger for change. I hope that just like maybe you've closed off your emotions and been running, that today you're going to say, you know, I'm going to run into that place. I'm going to face that giant. I'm going to face that mountain. And I'm going to see the change that God has for me. I want to be a free person. I'm going to let that pain now work for good. I'm tired of that nagging thing that I keep burying under stuff, but it still keeps popping its head up. Get painfully honest. First Corinthians 11 tells us to examine ourselves. 2 Corinthians 13 says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. If God's love's in there, you've got to be able to keep opening your heart. So God's going to help remove the plugs. Unless there is sufficient discomfort and anguish, most will not do the hard work to take a deep, honest look inside. We change our behavior when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. And Paul told us in Philippians 2.12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, sometimes in relationships, we're waiting for the other person to change. We're waiting for our spouse to change. What happens if you just say, I'm going to change? I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to love them with God's love. I want to be a new person. I'm tired of walking in bitterness. I'm tired of being oppressed. I'm tired of being disconnected. I'm tired of walking with a wounded heart. I want healing. Holy Spirit, we just call on you. We're just depending on you right now. You know all of our hearts and you know the deep needs that we have to be emotionally whole. We're asking for just a jump start today. We're asking some for some breakthroughs that will just encourage us to keep going. We're asking today that you would lift off some of those things that have been on us for so long. Maybe there's tears that have been held up for so long. Walls of protection. We're asking that you there be a breakthrough because of your Holy Spirit. We're asking for release today. We're asking for restoration. Come, Holy Spirit. We have gathered here in your presence. We have worshipped you because we believe in you. And so we're asking to experience you. We're asking to be changed in our inner man. We're asking 
that you would take off fear and anxiety and worry about tomorrow. We're asking that you would heal us of deep grief, deep-seated pain of rejection, healing us of not ever feeling like we were loved, maybe even places that we were not able to receive your love. God, you know the human heart. You know the soul. We're asking that you would move, Holy Spirit. God, we're praying, Lord. We're praying for every person here, even our kids in the kids' church, even our babies in the nursery, and our toddlers, Lord. We're asking that you would move on us. We're asking that you would reveal yourself. I'm asking that you would lift off some of the heaviness people have endured for a long season. And I'm asking that you would give them, Lord, joy. They begin to experience joy. I pray for people, Lord, who have had peace in a long time. They're not even sleeping at night. I pray for the peace of God to come in. I pray you'd wash over us by your blood. Wash over us by your truth. Let the reality of what you did on the cross to bring us into this freedom and joy, let it, let it be experienced today, Jesus. We call on you, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Save us, Jesus. We're sinking under a weight of emotions that are too heavy to carry. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Help us in our families to do life differently. Help us, Lord, to be able to be better parents. Help us to undo some of the things that we've done because we've been wounded and broken. Touch marriages today. Touch people who are divorced that are here today. And Lord, for them to really move on, you have to bring healing. They've been betrayed. They've been rejected. They even have components of their self that was part of it, but they haven't been able to really face it. Give them the grace to face it today. God, I know when you do this renovation process, it could seem a little scary at times, but I'm asking for a grace. Give people a grace. Give them a hope of what's going to happen when it's done. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I pray you'd expose the enemy, Lord. Any place he's keeping us in our own safety or what we think is our own safety any place we're not able to trust you. It's not our fault, Lord. It's not our fault, Lord. You know how we learn these ways, how psychologically we're made and how we adapt to survive. But God, we are not strong enough to really keep ourselves. As we keep ourselves and as we stay behind the walls, we miss out on love. We miss out on true relationship, Lord. 